The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When a young woman encounters an alien being, she's terrified. But this visitor from Beyond the Stars loves to dance. And then we travel to Iowa to take a look at the story of two brothers hiking through the woods. They've walked this path many times before. It's quite familiar to both of them. But one of them is about to step off the path and end up in another dimension. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Chase Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing. We got a ton of stuff to cover today. So first off, running into Dead Rabbit Radio Command is one of our Thanksgiving live stream contributors. Everyone get on your feet and give it up for Mewtube. Woohoo, yeah, wee, ha ha, yay, he's jumping around. He's jumping around doing a bunch of cool stuff. Mewtube, here, Captain Jason, did you just wake up from another nap to record an episode? You seem a little off. Mewtube, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't swear the show financially through the live streams or the Patreon, that's fine too. It really, really is. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so much. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know. Dead Rabbit Radio is your favorite paranormal show. Another quick reminder, December 15th. 2023, we're having another Patreon movie night on the Discord server at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I'd love to see you guys there if you guys do support the Patreon. If you're in the Discord, we'll be watching some cool movies, some cool short movies, so you can jump in and out. That'll be a lot of fun. Also, take a look at this Fan Art Friday submission. I got this from Sean on the Patreon Discord. It is Jason's Toolkit, the Fluffles Guide to Taking Out Big Brother's Heavy Weapons. I guess it's from, like, some survivalist guide. (laughs) It is some survivalist guide that Sean probably just had sitting on uh, their desktop. It's a picture of Dead Rabbit Radio Man. I guess that's me. I guess my head's the Dead Rabbit Radio head. And I'm throwing a Molotov into a tank that's about to kill friends of the show, Bigfoot, Britney Spears, and Miley Cyrus. Really, really enjoyable. Miley sends her regards as well. Friends of the show, Miley Cyrus, in constant communication with my long-term friend, Miley Cyrus. She also said it was a great job done as well, Sean. So thank you so much for that Fan Art Friday submission. Enjoy. If you're just listening to this episode, you're like, what? I'm not looking at the artwork. I'm doing a very important job or I'm driving. It just sounds like nonsense. They're like, I got to check out that image when I uh, get a chance. When I'm not doing industrial labor, moving Moving barrels of molten lead. Mewtube, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Radio Command. Drive us all the way out to Wisconsin. (laughs) Nice leisurely drive all the way out to Wisconsin specifically. We're headed out to Eau Claire, Wisconsin. 
It's November 15th, 1996. It's late at night. We see this farmhouse off the main road. I'm like, Mewtwo, go ahead, pull over here. We're going to drive up to this farmhouse. It's a really kind of sleepy farmhouse. All the lights are off. There's a family of five in there. We got a mommy and a daddy and three kids. And the mom is the one who we're mostly going to be looking at. Not in a perverted way. Not in a perverted way. We're going to be taking a look at a 34-year-old mother who we are going to call Marilyn. They did not give their real name. Marilyn wakes up in the middle of the night. Got to use the restroom. So she's walking down the hallway. And as she's walking down the hallway, something catches her eye. So she looks out a window. And she sees, I mean, I don't want to say off in the distance, it's not right next to the house, but it's uncomfortably close. She sees right above the tree line, bright lights. She's like, what in tarnation is that? And she continues to kind of walk through the house. Now she's not worried about going to the bathroom. She wants to see what those lights are. She's all peeing her pants. She's walking away from the bathroom. She wants to see what could be causing those lights. So she goes to the laundry room to get a better view and she's looking at it and she's like oh my stars and garters she sees this light this this giant objects emitting all of these lights she said it was as big as a house floating up there right above the tree line and that would be alarming nothing <laughs> anything bigger than a house that is near your house and is not your neighbor and is floating is cause for alarm Not only is it floating in the neighborhood, it's floating towards her house. Starts to freak out, right? And one thing she didn't know... No, she's definitely peeing her pants at this point. One thing she didn't know, though, was that despite the fact that this object was so well lit up, it did not project... It did not light up the landscape around it. The trees and the farmland were still black. It's really cool. One of the things I like about all these stories is the weird physics to them. This house is... It's not a house. Are you imagining, like, Dorothy, Wizard of Oz? No, it's not a house. It's the size of a house. I don't know what shape it was in. I don't think she could tell what it was either. It was just this luminous object. But don't picture a house. You're like, Jason, you've been telling me for the past three minutes. You've been calling it a house. Erase your minds. And now picture a object. You're like, okay, I'm going to picture a house. I'm just going to be easier that way. Floating towards Marilyn's home. She starts to panic. She starts to panic and she gets this thought, I need to lock down the house. Something's coming. So she begins running through the house and she's like locking windows. And then she walks to the next window. Click. And then she walks to the door. Make sure it's locked. And she's going from room to room. Locking the windows and door locking. Yeah, you know that little plastic lock? That stick? that You know that little stick that you put in your windowsill to prevent a normal hobos from breaking? And that's going to stop the luminous house-sized object floating. But, I mean, what else are you going to do? You're just going to kick open the screen door and go, Welcome, guys. You're going to try something. She's running from room to room. Locking the windows and the doors. And when she gets to the kitchen, she's running towards the kitchen window and a thought pops in her head. You're too late. They're here. She just knows on an instinctive level she's too late. She locks the kitchen window and 
she runs to lock the kitchen door when it slowly begins to open. <coughs> Creepy, right? <laughs> I mean, it's already been a stressful night. She just woke up to go to the bathroom. She sees the kitchen door start to open and she goes to push it shut and there is a force continuing to open it. It's just like it's still sliding open and she's trying to push it back with all of her might. She cannot do it. And eventually, the door violently swings open. And she is not propelled back like, whoa! Not like flying through the house Looney Tune style, but she's just—it is—it is not that violent, but it is violent. It violently swings open and almost kind of pins her against the wall because she's standing behind it. She was trying to shut it, and the door slams open and kind of like creates this little hidey hole spot for her. It doesn't squish her against the door either. Again, not a Looney Tune. It just kind of gives her this little place to be. And then she sees this white fog start to roll into the kitchen. Bright lights illuminating the fog. She knows all of this stuff's related. She is now kind of peeking around the door. To see what could be going on. And that is when she sees this. Long skinny arm. Reach out. Through the fog. And she said. All I saw was the arm. But it was so low to the ground. That I would assume whatever was. On the other side of this fog. Whoever the owner of the arm was was probably the height of a child. She sees this long, skinny arm reach out of the fog, and she gets this thought. She explains this as a nonverbal thought. The way she explains it as it, it was a series of images and sensations that made a concise message. But it wasn't like she telepathically heard this statement. It was just like this series of images and sensations and feelings. But whether it was spoken, telepathic, or this weird abstract thought form, the message was very, very clear to Marilyn. She felt that it was saying, You know better than to try and resist. Next thing Marilyn knows, she's waking up in bed. And you go, okay, Jason, was that a dream? Was that a crazy dream? Well, i that's what I thought too, right? I read the whole story. I was like, wow, this sure is crazy. Ah! And then it got to the ending and it said, oh, she woke up in bed. Oh, my God, it's a dream. Was this just a dream? Because dreams, while interesting, not necessarily paranormal, definitely not necessarily alien. 
So I had to dig a little bit deeper into the story of Maryland. I found this on thinkaboutitdocs.com. They got it from Minnesota MUFON, which is the Mutual UFO Network. It's a national organization with this based in this one. This is the Minnesota chapter. It was written up by Chad Lewis and Craig Lang. And it, it was interesting because this is something that I didn't think of right off the bat. But the they investigated this. They interviewed her, Marilyn. And one of the notes they had, they go, were, when you woke up, when you woke up, were all the windows and doors locked in the house? Because that would be something that you could prove. Dream, not a dream. She said she didn't remember. Okay, <laughs> She didn't remember. So hopefully it's not a dream. She didn't remember. But here's the thing. So I read that. I was like, oh, okay. And as I was looking more into the story of Marilyn, this is not her first alien encounter. Which would make sense because the alien saying, you know better than to try and resist. It's that idea that they've been there before. They've been there for Marilyn before. We covered that story a long time ago. I'll I'll find it for the show notes. I'll put it in the show notes so you can listen to it. The one about the family whose granddaughter got abducted so many times by aliens they would just sit in the living room while the aliens were like carrying their granddaughter out. And I think a neighbor boy, a friend of a friend was at the house that night. And the grandparents were like, don't, you can't do anything. Don't even try. That was a crazy one, which would make sense. I mean, think about it. The amount of resources it takes to abduct a human. There must, a lot of these abductions probably end up in like black eyes, right? People fighting back. (laughs) Those people just get evaporated with laser guns. You can't abduct them if you've already killed them once. I'm sure there are people that get abducted and they're not the right candidate for whatever these aliens are doing, whether it's just scientific curiosity or or cruelty, uh, interbreeding space programs. You you, You wouldn't always bat a thousand, right? You may abduct, aliens might abduct some lame-o people over the years. So what I'm saying is that if you abducted somebody once and it was successful and you brought them aboard your ship and you ran your experiments, put chips in them, took out their eggs or made them ejaculate into a cup for some sort of alien breeding program, you probably would be successful. You'd want to keep getting those people. They're like, oh, that guy already has a tracking chip in him and his semen is Mwah! chef's kiss. So you want to go back down <laughs> wakes up always oh, like oh he's always so tired he's exhausted he's like oh, i think i'm getting attacked by a succubus and there's some gray aliens in the closet they're like uh-uh that's us you would make sense you'd want to keep abducting the same people over and over again because why not right instead of you test your luck if you went down to abduct somebody i don't know maybe his semen's not that great i don't know the aliens probably probably do have a li- they're repeat offenders is what I'm saying. And they have their same victims. So it makes sense that this alien goes, you know better than to not resist us. This woman, Marilyn's probably been abducted more than once. Which we will find out is true. 13 months earlier, I found this, these other accounts of her reports. One of them was she was asleep in bed with her husband. And she wakes up because something's touching her shoulder. And then all of a sudden she finds herself flipping around in the air like woo, 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 like a little corkscrew and she lands face. Okay, let me build this. <laughs> let me build this scene a little bit better here. Okay, her and her husband are sleeping. Husband's sleeping. 
presumably on his back. I'm assuming he's sleeping on his back because I don't know how else this would work. But I'm having a hard time figuring it out anyways. Husband sleeping on his back. Marilyn sleeping. However, she wakes up. She feels a touch on her shoulder. Huh? What? She wakes up. Suddenly, she is flipped like a pancake. She's laying in bed and then she's flipped up and she lands face first on her husband's face. So imagine if you, imagine if two people were laying next to each other on their backs and then I flipped one of them over and they landed right on top of the other person. Nose to nose, all the way to toes to toes. Just like, boop. Uh, Surely the husband woke up, right? Well, no, he didn't. He got a full human dropped on him in the middle of the night. He doesn't wake up. She begins screaming as some invisible force grabs onto her feet and drags her off of the bed. She's still on top of her husband, too. So now imagine, maybe you can do this at home. Maybe you can be like, hey, I I got a science experiment. I want to run. I need two volunteers. (laughs) I need two volunteers and someone who can flip a human on top of another person. Marilyn gets dragged off the bed. She's on top of his body. So she's like, oh, she goes down. And then she doesn't remember anything. The next thing she knows, she's standing in the kitchen. And she said that the windows, which were like a sliding type window, they were flipped open. So basically broken, not the glass, but the the mechanism was flipped open. And she believes that she was floated out through the kitchen window. And now she's back in the kitchen. She doesn't know what to do. And she's just kind of standing there. And then (laughs) Marcus shows up. You're like, who's Marcus? Well, saving the best for last. Marcus shows up and touches her on the shoulder and says, it's okay. Everything's okay. You should go back to sleep. And then she wakes up in her bed. <laughs> then she wakes up in her bed. And she feels really scared. <laughs> kind of like a nightmare, Jason. How was her husband? How's her husband's face? Is he still alive? Did he require facial reconstruction surgery for having a human head fall on top of him in the middle of the night? Didn't wake up. Marilyn wakes up. Next thing you know, she wakes up. She's scared. Very, very upset, and her shoulder was sore. Remember the... Her shoulder was touched. <laughs> okay, yeah, I remember that. Who's Marcus? Who's Marcus? What's going on? So Chad and Craig, they get wind of Marilyn's encounters. Maybe she maybe she emailed Mufon or wrote him a letter. They go out to interview her. Talking about child size arm reaching through the mist very very gray alien-esque she didn't say it was particularly a gray alien arm but the fact that it was so small this object that can emit light yet the light doesn't project itself it doesn't light up the environment like that stuff's amazing let's talk about marcus (laughs) let's talk about marcus so apparently before any of this stuff started before the house-sized object, before flipping on top of her husband and being dragged off of him. He didn't wake up at all. He doesn't remember any of it, but I'm sure his memory would be his memory would be a little shoddy if you dropped his wife on top of him. So not good, not good for the noggin. 
Marilyn goes, before all of this stuff started, I was sleeping in bed. This was months ago. This was months ago. Before any of the, these events. She was sleeping, and she woke up in the middle of the night. And there was a man floating next to her bed. And this man identified himself as Marcus. Kind of a, I mean, that's a pretty cool human name, right? You call him Mark. You call him Marky Mark. You can call him Marcus. You can call him Cuss. You can do all sorts of stuff. Suck Ram if you want to do if you want to do it backwards if you want to get clever. Marcus appears before Marilyn. And th- here's the thing. If I was a UFO investigator, which I guess in a way I am, but I'm more into the supernatural ghost and demons is kind of my forte as far as like research research. I'm sitting across from somebody and I'm like scribbling notes. I have a tape recorder there as well, just in case I miss something. And I'm like, so Marilyn, uh, you called us about the child size arm and the big light and all that stuff, right? She's like, I did, I did. And I go, okay, so is this the first time you've ever encountered anything? And she's like, no, actually, I met Marcus. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> right, Marcus, question mark. Uh, who's Marcus? Uh, is this another uh, alien you've met? And she goes, yeah, I woke up in the middle of the night. There was a man floating next to my bed. Okay, bed, B-E-D, right? Okay, um, this Marcus, uh, how would you classify him? Would you say he was a like a gray alien? Was this what, like a Nordic those are generally Caucasian aliens with blonde hair, blue eyes. Um, the reptilian? And she goes, no, 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 none of those ones that people know, right? Or don't know. Not everyone's a UFO expert. Oh, okay. Uh, what did he look like? This Marcus fellow. This is when I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay, I really want to believe the first story. but But who am I to say? Who am I to judge? She wakes up in the middle of the night. This man is floating next to her wearing a military-style uniform. And she goes, he looked like a mix between Lieutenant Worf from Star Trek The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. Lieutenant, She goes, if you took Lieutenant Worf from that science fiction show... And crossed him with Ron Perlman's Beast from the Beauty and the Beast television series. The one with Ron Perlman and Sarah Hamilton took place in modern day New York. She goes, if you took the Beast from this television show and then, (laughs) which I watched because I know his name. She goes, Vincent from Beauty and the Beast. If you took Vincent from Beauty and the Beast television show and mixed him with this character from another television show. And put them together, <laughs> and he's wearing a military uniform, just like Commander Worf. He had medals on and stuff like that. I woke up in the middle of the night, and uh, Marcus was standing there. Half Worf, Klingon, right? Half Klingon, half Beast, wearing a military uniform. He woke me up, and we went dancing. He took me into this magical ball of light and we danced through around <laughs> at this point the UFO person is like oh man I drove all the way out here I could have done this by phone 
me and <laughs> what is the beast most famous for other than being a beast that's dancing what's Worf know most for he's for being in the Federation as a military group like that here's the, that's a dream that was a dream I'm sorry but I think that was a dream she goes ballroom dancing well here's the thing it wasn't even now I'm adding stuff to it I go oh and she's talking about talking candles and that annoying little teacup no she goes we went dancing but there was no music it was just us dancing around <laughs> With the jitterbug, like, what in the world is going on? Imagine that you're a serious UFO researcher and you're like writing down space dancing. Her and Marcus are dancing in a giant glowing sphere. I mean, listen, it's not the craziest thing we've ever talked about on this show. We talked about this a while ago. I think the alien's best chance to abduct people and you not notice it is while you're sleeping. So the fact that some of this could show up as dreams is possible. I guess I just find it goofy. I think I just find this story. Um, it's uh, it. I don't want to say I wasted your time and I talked about three dreams. I do like the first story, but whether or not I like it, this isn't a show about stories I like. It's supposed to be a show about uh, true stories. It might be true. <laughs> You're like, no, Chase, you just wasted her time. You wanted to talk about dancing. We know you're a big dance fanatic. Creepy story in the beginning. Second story about getting flipped on top of your husband is just kind of weird. And then once Worf and the Beast show up, it does make it a head-scratcher. YouTube, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys of the Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind Wisconsin. Fly us all the way out to a hospital. I'm actually going to do an audible here. I'm not going to use the story about the two brothers. You're like, Jason, that was the most exciting thing. New dimensions? Oh, I love that stuff. Yeah, but it's going to take a little bit too much time. I spent more time talking about Lieutenant Commander Worf. I think it's actually Captain Worf at this point. But anyways, we're going to save the interdimensional <laughs> the story of true life childhood friends traveling through the infinity realms that surround us instead we're going to this hospital specifically we're headed to the hospice ward we're about to meet a mother who's dying right <laughs> what, what what better thing to talk about on a friday episode the awful awful realization that death awaits all of us and that's not bad enough mom's dying it's a real rough, rough story. It's December. Well, it's not a rough story. Before you shut it off, it won't make you cry. I don't think. Um, December 2021, we're at this hospice and we're watching this mother with bone cancer. <laughs> You're like, no, shut it off. Click. No, 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 no. It's uplifting in a way. This mother, she is dying of bone cancer and we're going to meet her son. Let's go ahead and call him Joey. And let's call the mom Rebecca. Rebecca's dying of bone cancer. Joey, her son, brought his family. So at this point, she's a grandma. He brought his family as well as... Actually, she's a great-grandma because Joey's... One of Joey's daughters, she has two sons. So it's like there's just a big family. Big family gathering while mom is in the hospice. What a better gift to a dying mother 
than to be surrounded by her family. Well, they're talking to mom. Mom's being like, hey, everybody, what's up? Just chatting. And at a certain point, mom points over to the corner of the room and goes, why, who's the little Twinkie standing in the corner over there? And Joey kind of looks where she's pointing, and there's no one in the corner of the room. <laughs> he was hoping there was a Twinkie. He's like, oh, man, I sure am hungry. It's a long road trip to get here. He was hoping it was a Twinkie. No, he wasn't happy. He, he turns to look, and there's no one standing there. Mom, what are you talking about? And she goes, the little girl. Look at that little girl standing over there. Oh, she's so beautiful. And everyone kind of looks over. There's no one there. Now, here's the thing. Your mom's dying. I'm sure she was on a lot of painkillers. You're not going to get mad at her. You're not going to get mad at her. <laughs> like, you tricked me. You tricked me, Mom. I thought there was a kid back there. I thought there was a Twinkie. No. I, the, the only time that I've been in a couple situations where people have died, usually it was violent deaths, like car accidents and such. But the one time that wasn't the case, when I watched this man die, I've told this before on the show, so I'm not going to go into detail, but I, I was probably like seven or eight. I watched this man die. His family was surrounding him, <laughs> beating him with clubs. No, you know, he was dying like this. He was dying in his hospital bed. My dad was a chaplain, so I don't know why I was there. My dad, take your son to work day. Anyways, I'm watching this dude die. It was like seven or eight, and his family's like, we love you, dad. We love you. And he's like, don't you worry. Jesus is going to unite us all on the other side. We're going to see each other again. Don't you worry, Billy. Don't you worry. I, I, You know, not not the best thing you want to invite an eight-year-old to. But he seemed, like, in my memory, he seemed fairly lucid. He wasn't, like, being like, oh, no, look, there's Jesus. Right, there's Jesus right now. He's walking into the room. Hey, Jesus. I'm going with you. He seemed fairly lucid. We stood around and watched him until he died. It was odd looking back. I knew it was odd back then, too. But I also imagine, though, if he was pumped full of painkillers, you know, people are going to say weird stuff on painkillers. Eh, little Twinkie. What's that little girl doing over there? But at the same time, right? At the same time, you would go, well, this is a hospital. And specifically, it's a place where people go to die. This is a hospice. Trying to keep them comfortable until until they die. There's probably more than one or two ghosts here. And so you think, is she seeing a ghost? Is she seeing... They're not thinking of any of this stuff at the time. They're too busy saying goodbye to their mom. But in the aftermath... You would think, well, did my mom maybe see like a guardian spirit or a little girl who ushers these old people off into paradise? Because, again, what does a mother love more than a child? Well, her children, but other than her, her children, but then other than that, you know, other children. That makes sense, right? Some old, some old woman is all wrinkly and stuff. And the little girl comes in and goes, come on, mommy, come to heaven. They float away. That's not what this was. If that's what this was, probably wouldn't talk about it. I mean, it's uplifting. That's a beautiful story and all. But those stories are kind of dime a dozen. This story has a particularly bizarre twist. And it really makes you think. And this is a theory that I and I alone, like I've tried talking to other people about this in real life. I think I've mentioned it once or twice on the show. I might have edited it out because it's so weird. But I don't believe that. Death is linear. 
The re- for a lot of reasons. I don't think depth is linear, but let's finish up this story. She sees this little girl standing in the corner. That was the last day that she was lucid, according to Joey. Two days after that, she passed away. Now, Joey's daughter was there, right, with her two sons. Right before, because remember, everyone's coming to this hospice. Everyone's traveling from around to get to spend some Final times with mom, grandma, great-grandma, wherever you are at in that family tree. Joey's daughter had two sons on the way, on that trip to go see great-grandma Rebecca. Joey's daughter found out that she was pregnant, again, pregnant for the third time, and that child would be a girl. She had just found out that she was pregnant on that trip, and it was months until she discovered that she was going to give birth to a little girl. So Joey's idea, he posted this online underneath the name Overfly00, is that that was the Twinkie. It was her unborn granddaughter. So, very, very interesting possibility. And this is where we step outside the realm of ghosts. I don't believe that death is linear. I think when you're talking about things like death, you have to throw out this TikTok, TikTok time mentality that we have. I don't want to go on for too long about it, but I'll see what I can do in just a couple minutes. When a child, you have a mom and... A child. Child dies. Child dies at age three. And the mom is absolutely besides herself, like any parent would be. Okay, let's say she had the first kid when she was 23, just so the math isn't too hard for me. Has this little baby, let's call him Peter. Peter. Peter dies when the mom is 23 years old. The mom lives to be 83 years old. So she lives for an additional 60 years. I, for those 60 years, the mom misses Peter all the time. Mothers never get over it. I doubt a lot of fathers do either. Uh, Mothers never get over the death of their children. It just doesn't happen. It, It doesn't happen. It's one of the most traumatic things that I think any parent can go through. But mothers, it seems to impact them even harder so on earth the mother lived for 60 years without peter but on peter's point of view where and all of this is based on the idea that there is an afterlife obviously but from peter's point of view he dies at age three and his mother's right next to him in heaven in this paradise realm in this afterlife time does not move the same for Peter as it does for us here on Earth. There is not a second he is without his mother in the afterlife. Because why would there be? There is no linear time in this realm. There wouldn't be any path. This is my theory, and I think I... I may not have a bunch to back it up, so go ahead and throw on our conspiracy caps, but... It wouldn't be a TikTok time. Time is something we use to measure on Earth. We use it to measure things because things decay. Things do get older. 
we have to have time measured on earth but in a other reality in a paradise what would be the point of time what would be the point why would time even exist this this is one of the things that really trips me out about death not not existing annihilation doesn't scare me it's the idea of being around for infinity that actually i find more on a different level more upsetting or more terrifying and i have questions like what is gravity like do we know everything do we know nothing are there mysteries to solve after you're dead? Do we instantly know the answer to everything? It's these type of questions that actually make me more nervous about death than anything else. But I do believe that time, death is not linear. Uh, Peter dies in a second, not even a second, it's instantaneous. His mother's standing next to him. And because that is the case, I would argue that a George, this is not a threat, <laughs> this is not a threat, uh, FBI, CIA listening in. But basically... George Washington, when George Washington went to heaven, <laughs> now you're getting ridiculous. Now imagine a guy with a powdered wig up there. George Washington goes to heaven. Uh, Donald Trump and Joe Biden are standing right next to him, as well as the next 42 United States presidents. Not literally standing right next to him. He's not like, oh, why, where's my family? Where's my loved ones? Why am I with all these buffoons? Instant. It just happened. Like, there's no time in the afterlife. That's my theory. And stuff like this would kind of show that. that he, it's not that she saw a fetus floating in the corner, right? This was still a young enough child. She didn't know the sex of the child, right? She just found out she was pregnant. So what is that? A couple weeks? Six weeks, maybe? But I don't think she saw like this little this little thing floating around, this little fetus baby floating around in the corner. No, she saw a little girl. A little girl who I would presume was clothed, was wearing a dress, right? That would have these feminine features that the child that Joey's daughter was carrying had none of that yet. So she saw a future version of her soon-to-be-born granddaughter. Because when death comes, there is no linear forward motion. It just is. You could, technically, we've talked about this like roughly on the show, but again, I might edit it all out. In theory, you could see a ghost of someone who hasn't died yet. You could see a ghost of someone who hasn't been born yet and won't be born for another 50, 100, 200 years. Because the afterlife has no time. So I don't know. That's a something. See, you're, I'm sure I'll get the YouTube comments. I welcome them. The email, I welcome all that stuff. But this, I think that that is possible. And that's what this story reminds me of is that she's basically seen, she's not seen, she's seen the ghost of someone who not only has not been born yet, but years in the future from where they're at now. If she saw a little girl, we're going to assume the ghost maybe looked like a six-year-old, right? Four to six-year-old. Because I think below that you're a toddler. And this child is probably a couple of weeks old, not even born yet. 
this could be a clue that death does not move on the time scale that life does. This could be a story that shows, in a way, that you can see a ghost of someone who's not even born yet. Or it could have just been a ghost of a little girl who died, too. It could have been that. And it could have just been a coincidence that Joey's daughter was going to have a baby girl soon. I don't know, but could also be my theory. It could also be that what we we haven't even scratched the surface of what the paranormal actually is. We haven't even started to. So sure, I can laugh about stories about Commander Worf, Lieutenant Commander Worf, ballroom dancing, or whatever they did. They, it was described as a spiritual union with no music. So I don't, I don't even know she didn't use the term dancing. It's confusing. Even though there's weird stuff like that, I can laugh at it. The point of the fact is that we just don't know. We're just barely scraping the surface. And the funny thing is, is the only way we're going to get all of these answers is for us to die ourselves. That's not, I'm not trying to speed along that process for me or you. But it is interesting to think that what we spend so much time researching... The answers await all of us. The only problem is, is that once we know all of the answers, there's no way to relay that information back to the living. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today.